the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 The Answer presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning, I'm Dottie Herman and you're listening to Eye on Real Estate. We're the only show on talk radio that's all about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate. And if you think about it, that's just about everything. I'm here with my co-host and friend, attorney Jerry Feeney. Welcome back, Daddy. We missed you. Yes, thank you. I missed everyone. And you know that Jerry is a prominent real estate attorney in Manhattan who welcomes your questions about legal matters in the world of real estate. And of course, I encourage our listeners who are in a quandary about legal matters in real estate just to take advantage and give him a call and find out that information. I always say knowledge is power. Um, And that's 866-970-9622. I'm also here with my mortgage finance expert and also my friend, Ace Wanatou Spark. And uh, there's a lot to talk about because of rates inched up another quarter of a point. And now everyone's debating, do I take an adjustable? Do I take a a straight mortgage? Everyone's kind of, is it going to continue to go up? Ace is the vice president of Citizens Bank, and if you want to get a loan or refinance, or if you need advice about getting home equity loans, um, now is the time to give Ace a call at 866-970-9622 and get your questions answered by an expert, and he is an expert. I used him myself. I also used Jerry um, Good morning, the Dottie. mortgage field. Glad to have you Good back. Good morning. Thank you. I miss everyone. Um, Citizens is one of the nation's oldest and largest financial institutions with $152.3 billion in assets. It's headquartered in Providence, Rhode Island. Citizens offers a broad range of retail and commercial banking products and services to individuals, small businesses, middle market companies, large corporations and institutions, women. And Citizen helps its customers reach their potential by listening to them and by understanding their needs and offer, and they or offer to order a really detailed, tailored advice. It's not cookie cutter. Uh, Actually, the one thing I love, besides that they're a great bank, is they really take the time to understand your needs. Um, In Consumer Banking Citizens provides an integrated experience that includes mobile, online banking, a 24-7 customer contact center, and the convenience of approximately 3,000 
300 ATMs and approximately 1,150 branches in 11 states in the New England, Middle Atlantic, and Midwest regions. And I'm so glad they're here. Uh, they are the best. Dottie, they and, say you, and, and, that, and every year, um, citizens, they also give a home away to a veteran. Um, you know, oh, they so, do? So it's great. Yeah, every single year they, they give a, a free home to a veteran. So, um, I love a company that also gives back. They say you can't turn. Okay, so not only that they're a great bank, not only that they really customize. You won't feel like you're one of a million mm-hmm. in a cookie cutter, and sometimes bank can make you feel that way. I've had that experience. Uh, you'll feel like you're the only one that counts, and they will take the time because one size never fits all. So you have to kind of sit there and tell them what your needs are, and they'll customize something perfectly for you. Before I tell you to set your clocks back, and of course, if it were up to me, I'd leave it daylight savings all they're year. They're going forward. <laughs> they're going forward, not back. Don't get everybody confused. Well, they're going forward, but I right. like light and sun. But I do want to say that I'm, I want to tell you a little. First of all, I'm in Palm Beach. Uh, my flight was canceled Wednesday, which, in a way, I've been on the road for two a week and a half. I'm jet lagged, uh, but I'm in Palm Beach, and I. I am thrilled to be here because the Grand Prix, which Douglas Elliman sponsors, uh, it's all over the world and produces more income for Wellington, which is in Florida, okay, than the Super Bowl does for its own city. Can you imagine that? Wow. Wow. It's 12 weeks, unlike the Hampton Classics, which Douglas Elliman also sponsors, but that's like one week. This is 12 weeks. There are 6,000 horses that compete throughout the winter season, leading to the Grand Prix event where only 60 participants finalized. It was uh, noted that 23 of the Forbes 400 attend the event, Notably, including uh, Michael Bloomberg's a big fan. Actually, he has a house in Wellington, and I think his daughter is a uh, writer. Bruce Springsteen, the Gates family, and it goes on and on. And so we're glad that Douglas Elliman participates, and it's one of the most significant sponsors. And just like the bank has a program to give back, DEU also hosts uh, in the Winter Equestrian Festival in a charity that's called Give a Buck. And Give a Buck is a volunteer organization that provides um, therapeutic horse-back organizations uh, to rising stars, and it helps children, it gives scholarships, and it really does wonderful things. So not only that I'm excited to be there, I think this is my fifth one that I've been to, uh, I'm excited to see everyone in Florida. By the way, Florida's prognosis is... A one, if I okay, it's really doing great. I was just told that uh, we have a project in West Palm Beach, right by the water. It's actually right by the bridge to Palm Beach. You probably could walk over the bridge and get to here in two seconds. And I'm just told, what did we sell it for? Sixty, forty, forty million dollars unfinished. I mean, you just have the walls. You have to finish it yourself. $40 million, and I, that's, a, I think, a record for West Palm Beach, if I'm not mistaken. So I think more and more baby boomers are saying, hey, you know, let me get out of the cold. Uh, but I have a feeling that's not her primary residence. I think that she has many other houses 
I don't want to say who it is because I don't know if I can, but um, I know she has more than one house. I do want to talk a little, five minutes, about the event that I spoke in in Miami, and it was Enterprising Women, and it is for women who have businesses um, over 51% that they own, and most of them own their own businesses entirely or with a bunch of women. And they get together, and they're in the process. And I think this is so terrific. We, we had, um, I, I, ha- I have to tell you, I became psyched when I was there. I met such wonderful women. And when I tell you, I thought, oh, my God, they were scientists, mathematicians. They worked at NASA. They designed planes. Uh, they were attorneys. And I met so many women who wanted to support women and help women. And uh, there were some girls that were from venture capital companies. And they said that maybe three to five cents, uh, 5% of all venture capital money goes to women. That's it. So although we've made great strides, uh, we still have a ways to go. So these women are putting a fund together to support women in businesses who want startup businesses and they're also going to support women who have businesses already and want to get to the next level. So, I, you know, it's kind of exciting. And then I met a girl whose company is um, it's called NAWRB, which is uh, they strengthen the voice of women in the housing system. And they have access to all the government loans. Now, there is a lot of just for any woman who's interested... If you're starting a business and the government has a lot of loans that are really hardly any interest and very easy to get if you are a woman-owned business. It's just that most people don't know about it. So she goes around and she happens to live in California and licensed in, in real estate there also. But her main focus is educating women on all the opportunities they have for women who do want to get into business. And as again, I said, knowledge is power. And there's so much to know that unfortunately, we don't know about everything. So if anyone's ever interested in anything like that, please let me know. I'm going to have her on the show uh, probably the next couple of weeks just to give you some information on that, because I think it's really, really important. No, that's amazing, that you Dottie. Know that. You know, just women supporting women, and just right off the heels of International Women's Day um, yesterday. It's great. Well, I mean, again, my intuition says, and uh, my intuition says that I think there's going to be another movement. It looked, I mean, even at the Academy Awards, they mentioned something. I think there's going to be a whole next level movement, and I don't say that in a feminist way because I like men and I like women, <laughs> but I think there's going to be a movement towards another step. And I think we've come a long way, at least from when I was uh, 25. But I think there's a way more to go, and I'm very involved with that. And I, I'd like to see women have that opportunity if it's something that they want to do. And I think we're, we're, we're on the cusp of that. By the way, I, I don't want to forget to tell you to turn your top box back. And um, if you were, of course, born on today, you're a Pisces, and your personality is defined by sensitivity intuition, and self-sacrificing nature, which hopefully that's a very nice quality. Yes, so it is. We've got a <clears> great <throat> hey, Dottie, show gonna have, for you. 
You're going to have everybody two hours late. You keep saying, turn them back. We're, we're turning them I forward. mean, up, ahead, ahead. <laughs> People are going to well, be two hours late. Sleep. They're going to be calling you. <laughs> okay, I'm a good excuse. Just tell your boss, hey, Dottie Herman gave me the wrong information. Call her. Speak we're, to her. I'll be glad them, to take the heat. Pushing them I'll forward. We're the losing heat. an hour, but we're going to have yeah, I'll, it's I'll, a nice I'll time take, of year. You're going to have more when, sunlight. When, oh, it's wonderful. More sunlight and, yeah. Feels good. So we have a great show for you today, and we are going to talk about how to stage your home on the the insider's way of staging it, and uh, also I'm going to talk about the rules of real estate that some people repeat all the time and aren't true. Some of the myths that they talk about in real estate that are really not true. There's a lot of them out there. And where do you think all the millionaires live in the United States, percentage-wise? You think it's New York? That would be my instinct. Re- that would be my guess. Well, saying, not I'm really. Not I'm leaving that out there. I'll tell you at the end. Of the well, show. you're sitting around a lot of them down there now in Palm, <laughs> Palm Beach. There's a lot of. Yeah, not- but I still, you know, there's a lot of places. You know, not every millionaire wants to be high profile. Right. That's true. I mean, there's the a lot of millionaires and billionaires that really want to have a private life and those don't want to, you know, everyone to know who they are and they just want to. So there's a lot of places. I was at a very okay. famous millionaire's home yesterday at a at an estate sale in Englewood. It was the home that Gloria Swanson lived in when Joseph Kennedy uh, was having an affair with her. Do you know this house, Daddy? I haven't been there myself. I wasn't invited, unfortunately. It was, I wasn't invited. I just, I just went. It was an estate sale. It's a little home, 24,000 square feet. And I got to tell you, it was like stepping back in time. I mean, to walk, to see how people used to live back then, and the rooms upon rooms, and well, know, I for... think also people were tiny because when I when <laughs> well, I'm in they... the Hamptons and I go to Sag Harbor, which is a historical village, and yeah. it's been I, I noticed that the ceilings. I mean, I can fit. I mean, I'm not that tall, but if you were like six foot three, I think you'd have a problem. Well, and then pretty... I also don't think they had many clothes because the closets. In these historical houses that are very like, you know, that are 200, mm-hmm. 300, the closets really, I don't think I could fit my shoes in them. So, well, not I many closets. People did live differently. Not many closets <laughs> can fit all your shoes. But it's true. People were factually shorter in the old days. That's why you see uh, ceiling heights that are lower. It was easier to heat, too. But with nutrition and everything, people grow taller. In fact, if you measure, you know, lesser developed civilizations today, like North Korea, the people are shorter than in South Korea just because of nutrition. Well, that could be it. That is, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have an answer, so I don't want to tell you why, but I just know that. So you don't think the colonists ago, people... had uh, 200 pairs of shoes or things like that? No. no. You know, just like I watched, you know, if you ever, I don't watch them now, but when I was younger, I watched cowboy movies. And some of those cowboys were very nice looking. Yeah, they and were groomed. And if you notice, they... <laughs> They rode their horses for days and weeks, yeah. and they always looked good. They didn't right. look like, smelly. They didn't look wrinkled. Yeah. Remember, right? remember Ponderosa? <laughs> the Ponderosa, yeah. they'd all be, Landon, Michael Landon would all be quaffed in the morning when he woke up yeah. you know, out on the range. and well, Yeah, you know, they all it. looked pretty, I mean, you know, and when you think Cl- about the conditions. That, yeah, so I guess <laughs> some of it's a little bit not true. Like By the Ponderosa. way, Trulia came out. I don't know if I agree with this, but um, this is what Trulia says. And again, I don't know where they got this uh, data from. You know, you can make polls that say anything. But Mm -hmm. Trulia says housing actually is growing more affordable. 
And new report from Trulia says housing is actually more affordable now than it was 40 years ago. Now, I find that hard to believe, but let's look at why they think that I... Okay, because I don't want to debate this until I look at... Okay, they say that buying a home has become more affordable due to low interest rates, which went from a high of more than 16%, and I absolutely do remember when they were 16% in 1980 to less than 4% in 2016. Now, that might be true. That is true. It's not might. That is true. Um, And it says a household's highest affordable price is its maximum buying power with a 20% mortgage down payment. And so the study showed that nationally, homes are the most affordable they've been in the last 40 years, and the medium household could afford a home one and a half times more expensive than the medium home price. And it says in, in 1980, the median household could only afford about 75% of the medium home price. Hmm. That's an interesting. So it says statistic. that mortgage rates, ACE, you would know this. That's, I mean, I, that's I actually a really true um, statistic, Dottie, because the lower the rates, the more you can actually borrow. So um, back in, I would say, Probably 2011, 2010, when rates were right around 6%, um, bars were able to borrow right around three t- three times their income. Now it's really around four to four and a half times their income. So really? because so the rates are, then, are so low. Yeah. So they don't mean, okay, so they mean that your borrowing power, your borrowing power. Mortgage, mortgage rates would need to increase to 9.4% before the median home becomes unaffordable nationally at today's income level. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. It would have to increase to 9.4% before the medium home became unaffordable nationally at today's income standards. So, guys, if you didn't buy yet, you still have time. Right? It's still so low. Very, very low, guys. So, Okay, I have a question for you. But before I do that, I want to tell you, I was at a CEO conference early on. This That was one of the places I was at. I felt like I lived on 12 planes in a week and a half. Uh and, of course, they have the technology out already, and there'll be robots. And so don't expect within the next year or two that you'll go to an open house and your broker, instead of seeing your broker there, you'll see the robot. The broker that I'm sitting with, Ashley, here, here. And you'll see a, a robot that looks like her and that shows you around the home. And Ashley can be doing something different. She might be showing property. She might be doing an errand, but the robot will take you around. Now you say, okay, but fine, but what if I have a question? Well, the robot has data in its its mind that's programmed into him from all the sales and all the information from every statistic in the area. So any question you would ask the robot, I hate to say it, Ashley, but it would know more than you. It would know more than me. So you will never have to worry about the robot not giving you the right information or not knowing. So that's kind of uh, uh, a – they'll be driving cars. I mean, it's kind of one of those brave new worlds again. I mean, but I always thought that we should have robots. I always said, you know, we should have robots, like little robots doing our open houses. Um, so that's a, a fun thing. By the way, 
at after the show. Ace, I have a question yeah. so you can answer after the break. It's a question that came on the mic for you. It says, can you explain how they figure debt-to-income ratios before I apply for a loan and what qualifies at, for a debt? From, this is from a, a listener from Yonkers, New York. So, Ace, you'll answer that question right of after course. the break. We'll be right back. 866-970-9622. We'll be right back after the break. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. You're listening to I on Real Estate. I'm here with my legal legal friend, Jerry Feeney, and my ace of finance, Ace. <laughs> what a two support. And I had a question for Ace from one of our listeners who emailed us uh, and he said ace can you explain how they figure debt to income ratios before i apply for a loan and what qualifies as a debt and that's a question from somebody in yonkers new york yeah that's a commonly asked question Dottie. so basically it's really simple you take your annual income um, and then you divide it by 12 months so then you have your monthly income and then you would divide that by your mortgage um, proposed mortgage payment. So that would include your principal, your interest, your taxes, your insurance, along with your other reoccurring debts. So, you know, what counts as reoccurring debt? It could be credit cards, it could be student loans, it could be um, car loans, car payments. So you would take your total income, total divide, income. divide that by 12. By the months of the year. By the months of the just year. In case you didn't know. Exactly. Um, you come up with your income per month, and then you take your total liabilities per month along with your new proposed. All right, explain. I, I think his question also is like, okay, so explain to, to the listeners if they're not aware, what are the liabilities? What are they like? Car loans. So they uh, they could be car loans. They could be student loans. Um, most commonly are credit cards. Um, things that are revolving that you have on your credit line. And then um, basically you add them all up per month and then you divide it by your annual income. And your DTI cannot exceed 43%. All right. Everyone doesn't know what – I know what DTI is, but that's – So that's debt to income. Debt to income. So in other words, you take your monthly expenses, so, so if add you're, them all up. So if you're listening – Do you count your yeah. rent? Do you count your rent? So you count your proposed monthly payment. So um, this is in case – Does ca- rent count? So you would take your – your future payment on the mortgage because this is on, they're trying to calculate someone that's actually purchasing a property, Dottie. Right. So, so you, you don't have to count. So rent. you don't have to count rent. Because exactly. Presumably, you're not going to have. The you're rent. not going to have the rent. Exactly. On so the I'm new just mortgage. telling yes. everyone yeah. that that you don't yes. have to count. So if you're actually following, right? And let's say you're making a hundred thousand dollars. Well, let's make it simple: hundred twenty thousand. And, okay. and you divide that by twelve. You have a ten thousand dollar income per month, correct? And mm-hmm. let's just say you actually have a four thousand um, dollar, let's just say mortgage payment that is inclusive of insurance and tax. And then let's just say you have another thousand dollars in total that is recurring debt. So that's five thousand dollars. You would just take five thousand, divide that by ten thousand, and that would come and that would actually equivalent to fifty percent debt to income. So you know that you're on the high end, it exceeds the forty three percent. You need to somehow make those payments lower, right? So you need to either 
buy a home that has a lower monthly payment so that you can actually be below the 43%. That's it. Right. Or could you, like, if you had some payments that you could pay off? You could buy it. Yeah, exactly. You can pay it off. Um, you can, you know, consolidate. So there's so many different ways that you can actually be within that 43% debt to income. But the reason why they make it right around 43% is because they don't want you to overextend yourselves when borrowing against your annual income, right? So And you shouldn't. And you so shouldn't. You, and you so shouldn't. you won't get in trouble. Exactly. But that's a great question, Dottie. We, we, we get that question well, all the time. Yes. So, uh, and as I said, when you send us in a question... If you can't call in, remember your question, if you have the question, so many other people have the question. So you're helping a lot of people when you send in your questions. Um, before I talk about uh, Alex uh, Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, who, and I will, I'm going to take a question in a second. Uh, they have a program, I think this is wonderful, that teaches inner, kitty, inner city kids about real estate. And it's called Project destined and it teaches kids how to value and finance local apartment buildings and then given the opportunity to share in real profits from these properties and they say how do you get inner city kids off the streets give them a vested interest in those streets and stake in the property around them and this is the philosophy we find a new program that teaches teens financial literacy through investments in real estate and the Bronx program accepted 50 teens from three different high schools, as well as City University of New York. And they began taking classes through Project Destined and learned the lingo of real estate. And I have to tell you, whether it's kids, it's women, um, financial literacy is very important. And unfortunately, I don't think they teach it enough in the schools. They don't. Uh, and, you know, um, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, teaching financial literacy out in Long Island for one of the union programs of new union members. And it's, first of all, very rewarding to do. I enjoy it. And, you know, it's amazing some of the basic things that we take for granted that people who are, you know, new to, uh, shall we say, the middle class um, don't know, you know, and, the, and it's important that we But even the middle this. class, I mean, you, you can probably remember, Jerry and Ace, when women would call and they got divorced and they kind of left everything to their husbands. And so now they had whatever their settlement was and they didn't have the first clue. They didn't know. So yeah. I, yeah, they didn't I'm going to give everyone some advice for that yeah. later on or the, the show would, or maybe next week. Or the husband yeah, would you die have and to, they would have no credit in their name. They exactly. didn't know how to do it. And You have to be responsible whether you're, whether you're with a spouse, whether you're alone. Um, to really, really get yourself versed in that, uh, it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And parents, I think we all, and especially myself, who my daughter still thinks money grows on trees. Um, <laughs> it does. It's called the, the mom tree. Bank of mom. So, no, it's a nice, yeah, she it's a likes very, the, she loves the tree. bank. She loves the bank of mom and dad. It's her favorite bank. <laughs> Good terms. But um, we... <laughs> I think I could have done a better job of teaching a finance. Let me take a quick question from Vincent from um, Jersey City. Uh, good morning, Vincent. Good morning. How's nice the weather there? The You're welcome. How's the well, weather there? Well, it's chilly, but uh, they're talking about some kind of a nor'easter coming again Monday. So every week we've had a nor'easter uh, so far. Not another but one. Another one. Yeah, wow. eating bills go up. Anyway, well, I listen to your show. I enjoy it. Anyway, I have a question. You. But first, I, I'd like to say something about that Trula uh, poll that they took. 
Forget about yes. college loans or food. That would be too easy. But outside of buying the sticks that or the bricks that make up a house, I mean, really, uh, water bills, electric and gas, insurance rates. Sometimes you're forced to take flood insurance. Forget about taxes. I don't know what about uh, the maintenance is through the roof. If you really want to fix a bathroom or where, are, are they drinking Kool-Aid that's a little bit off there or what? I mean, that's not that's not real. I love the interest rates. I own properties in Jersey City, doing very well. But, well, the interest uh, rates are great, but I kind of agree with you. What they're leaving out is um, the cost of living today. Uh, I think what, I mean, that's why when I read it, I said, look, I don't want to dispute it until I read it. Uh, well, I think, I think as A said, they're really talking about affordability, like that you could borrow more. It's, it's borrowing power, not really. It's just borrowing. It's exactly. the way they have... Uh, Houses actually growing more affordable, in my opinion, is like misleading. Yeah, big time. I remember people paying twenty-two percent back in the eighties for uh, to buy property. I mean, they, they refinanced it soon after, uh, you know, when they started coming down. Yeah, uh, but well, you know, uh, I did too, and we all managed. But but you know, yeah. we all managed, and and the houses sold, and the sellers participated, and then everybody refinanced. Uh, but if, I, but if I, you could I, hang I, on, if you can hang if, on, if you were able to hang on and you had some help and you you stretched it out a bit, but a lot of people I know went in high and lost big time, big time. You know, Vincent, you say very very smart words because the whole key to really losing or or or, or keeping real estate is staying power and if you have staying power and you can weather the storms whether it's a recession regardless of what it is you're in but if you don't have staying power that's when you get hurt i'm sure we could all tell good stories right <laughs> we can <laughs> should have got the book all of us every day i think we should <laughs> we should yeah, yeah. There's a million right, thank of you i'm gonna fun. enjoy i'm gonna enjoy the show and sit back and i'm gonna listen now thank you thanks Vincent. thanks for calling that was really true, though. I mean, I think it's a little misleading, don't you think, Ace? I mean, it is true that you have more buying power. Yeah, they're really talking just about the rate and and what your payments would be with that rate, right? So that they're not really talking about, you know, to Vincent's point, carrying charges and all the other expenses that you would actually, um, you know, have with home ownership. But, yeah, but you know, and ra- when rates were higher, you were making more money. You were making on your more savings money. Exactly. Too. Don't forget exactly. The, so you know, it's all relative to the marketplace yeah. as well. So. Okay, we have another break, but I'll leave you with this cliffhanger, 866-970-9622. That's a number. What does it take to be considered a millionaire? Do you think you're a millionaire? Think again. And where do the millionaires live? I told you I'd tell you the answer. We'll be right back after a two-minute break. Thank you. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Okay. Right before the show, and again, if you need to call us, it's 866-970-9622. I talked about what it takes to be considered a millionaire and what cities you find millionaires in. And a um, million bucks might not go as far as it once did. It certainly doesn't. But it still gains you entry into an elite club because only 5.8% of the country 
or about 7.2 million households qualify as actual millionaires. And uh, that is defined as having investable assets of one million or more, excluding the value of real estate. Okay, so I'm not sure if they would exclude the value of investment real estate, but they're excluding the value of real estate, employee-sponsored retirement plans, and business partnerships. Well, why? Who came up with that definition? Well, I don't know, but then, of course, I would really be down the dumps here. So I would, I don't know. That's what they came up with, and they say that if you, now, I can understand, well, no, I can't, because if you own a home, yeah, even if you live in it, you can always sell it and, and rent it. Right, right. I don't, I don't get that definition. Excluding the value of real estate. It doesn't well, that, even that's, say that. That's where the, a lot of uh, wealth is tied up in. Assets are. So okay, if so if you would, if, if you own a hundred properties and they're each worth a million dollars, I'm not a millionaire. Okay, so <laughs> so if you if you do this definition, most people they would have only five point eight. Again, you know you got to read the read what someone considers a millionaire. I don't consider that a millionaire because if I looked at a millionaire and they had five or six houses, unless they were mortgaged to the hilt and they had no equity. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Maybe yeah. that's what they I mean. guess, but I also guess they figure, what if you can't sell them? I don't know. But it says most of these wealthy households can be found in big cities, such as New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, just as you would expect. But some millionaires prefer to avoid the hustle and bustle of major metropolitan places. So indeed, pockets of millionaires can be found in some pretty far-flung places. Have any guesses? Oh, I know Montana. I know Big R Montana is loaded with millionaires like Jackson Hole, those places. I don't know if I see that on the list. Let's see. on the list? Big R Montana, Jackson Hole, Atlanta. Small town with big millionaire populations, Torrington, Connecticut. Torrington? Torrington. I never heard of it either. No, I don't think Jonathan was there. Now, it's embarrassing to say because we're all from New York. Yeah, I've never uh, heard, that of Tor- heard of Torrington, but, you know. You have? You have. Yeah, my, my guess would have been Greenwich. Can well, yes, Greenwich? my guess would have been Greenwich, too, but that's an obvious guess. Mm-hmm. Englewood, Montclair. These are, no, but these are places where you wouldn't guess. Um, mm-hmm. Total households in, in, in Torrington, Connecticut are 74,000 and change, and there are 6,000 millionaires there, or over oh. a little over. Um, rich people. So that's Torrington, Connecticut. Williston, North Dakota. What? Uh, 15,005 <laughs> households. So there's not many. Yeah. And uh, there's 1,301 millionaires. Wow. So 8.4%. And the medium home value, by the way, is only 201,000. So even oh, if this, they don't count. This has to have something to do with the, um, the natural resources in North Dakota. They must. They must all have. Um, what are they? Is it natural gas there or coal or something? They something. found in North Dakota, and a lot of them became now, millionaires. I would want to live here, but uh, number three is Juneau, Alaska, which a total of thirteen thousand change households, and a th- almost two thousand million. No, almost one thousand two hundred million. In Juneau, Alaska. Wow. Yes. Yes. Why, why are they? There? I guess you don't have to be high profile there. You could kind of stay in your igloo. Well, I don't think they live in igloos anymore. Well, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, but you know, I mean, why are why are all those millionaires there? Does it tell you why what their source of wealth is? Or 
No, it just says that it's 9.1% is the, their population of millionaires. That's a lot. Summit Park, Utah. Yeah, that's and they have about 10%. And then the biggest one in the small places is Los Alamos, New Mexico. Alamos, New Mexico. And um, the concentration of millionaires is over 11.6%. And the medium home value there is 275000 about. Yeah, there were a so lot in Mexico. Hmm. So if you want to be incognito when you're a millionaire, you can move to one of those places. And uh, nobody will know. Right. Yeah. Be under the radar. I think North yeah. North Dakota had a, a um, oil boom or something like was that. Was it oil? Yeah, then. some natural yeah, sure. resource. Yeah, some natural resource. But. I always tell you about scams, and just so you know, there's another big scam going on, and it's credit applicants who don't exist. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been scammed. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Jerry, if you have, no. but not by this. This is synthetic identity fraud, and it's one of the fastest-growing forms of identity theft. And one of the biggest threats facing banks in 2018. What do they, they create people? The person taking out cards alone isn't real. So they make up a name. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no consumer victims to alert lenders. So it's not that you're going to call and say, by the way, my credit card, because it's a fake person. Right. When companies and law enforcement discover something amiss, they often wind up chasing ghosts. <laughs> Fictional names and numbers from the Social Security Administration that haven't yet been assigned are used. Now, I was like, how do they get them? How do they know? Right. Well, they can get them. It's underground. The scammer applies for a loan, okay, using a fake name and a fake Social Security number. Nine digits, the agency hasn't assigned it. In some cases, numbers are assigned to children and have, you know, who haven't made it into the credit files. Mm-hmm. And there are underground there are underground websites to sell them in batches. Oh, so mm. you can get them if you know who to go, where to go. The fake name reveals no borrowing history at Equifax. Equifax. So the applicant is likely to at first be rejected because if you have no credit, we've told you you're not going to get accepted. Right. But the query results in a new credit file. Okay. And suddenly, you know, they keep on applying. A new identity is born, and the scammer applies repeatedly for loans. And eventually, they think that they're real. Mm. And some lenders approve loans after reviewing credit files, which help turn those files into full credit reports. That's how a fictitious person can end up with a credit card also. (laughs) They assume the person's real because they keep applying over and over. Yeah. Right. TransUnion says a record $355 million in outstanding credit card balances was owed by people who would suspect didn't exist. Hmm. How do you like that one? Well, they need to be a little more careful. You know, Daddy, so if we, you we, have, we, we if just you've ha- been a victim, call and share your story with us. If you have a credit, if you've had a credit card scam of any sort, we'd love you to... Call us in on one of our shows, whether it's today or, tomorrow, or next week, and tell us about how you've been scammed because there's so many scammers out. I want to take a quick question from Pauline in Queens. Hi, Pauline. How are you? Hi. You remember me? <laughs> I keep calling every once in a while. Oh, Hi. we love when you call. How's oh, really? the weather? Am are I you funny? staying? I guess I'm entertaining in a way. <laughs> yes. I, t- I think you could be an entertainer. Uh, how are you holding up in the cold? 
Um, yeah, I like I like the snowstorm, the last one. I didn't really get to, I don't really have to do any shoveling. I don't have a car, so I guess it's not a pain for me. Most oh, people I know hate it, and they own a home, and they have to, you know, I live in a co-op, so they Double. do all the work. I don't have to they? do anything. Well, that's one of the benefits. It. <laughs> that's one of the benefits of living in a co-op. You don't have to shovel right. snow. They do it for you. Yeah. I missed most of what you said, so I guess I have to listen to what, millionaires, what towns they live in. I only heard Yeah, you can go on my app. I think it's up and running. It's called oh, Eye on Real great. Estate. It's free in the app store. Great. But anyhow, and, okay. what do you think about a millionaire? What about a millionaire? Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, the description. So I guess a lot of people wouldn't qualify. They thought they were millionaires just based on, I guess, uh, just accounting. If you look at what you own, though, to me, that would make you a millionaire. I, I don't see why they don't want that. I mean, well, they're, they're you, a club, I guess. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask someone here that I'm in Palm Beach in my office in Palm Beach to look up the definition of a millionaire and see what the, what, what they say, because this is their definition. And it's Julia's definition. I, I've never heard, I don't know. I've never heard that definition before. Have you, Jerry or Ace? No, I, I no. don't think it makes a lot of sense either. Yeah. To, be true. Yeah. to me, it's like they don't want, it's in the club. So they want whoever owns some property can't be mm-hmm. part of the club. It's like, I guess they're. Maybe they hate Trump too. I don't know, <laughs> and that's well, you know, excluding that whole okay. real estate thing. Okay. You're not a millionaire. So here, here is Wikipedia's answer: A millionaire is an individual whose net worth or wealth is equal to or exceeds one million units of currency. That, it can yeah, also so, be a person who owns one million units of currency in a bank account or savings account, depending on the currency. A certain level of prestige associated with being a millionaire which makes the amount of wealth a goal for some and almost unattainable for others. Does it say anything about real estate here? Um, but look, what about the cryptocurrency? Uh, That's worth money, and people don't value that. So if you have a million in cryptocurrency, you're not a millionaire? Well, let me tell you something. Ask Ace about cryptocurrency. <laughs> I know. I, I he's know probably, he knows about He's it. probably a millionaire already. <laughs> you probably became quiet. a millionaire. Hey, better you not be a millionaire, because otherwise they'll tax you on it, too. That's right. <laughs> so. That's right, Pauline. So well, tell us about crypto. Thing. They just had a, a correction, didn't they? Cryptocurrency had a little correction. Didn't yes, they, they did. They did. It's um, it's a volatile market. Um, but if you pick the right ones, you know there there's going to be a couple of winners, um, in terms in terms of the technology, um, in the future. So, but yes. One last it, comment before I ask you guys the question: the debt. A person's dead, like my husband. I'm always concerned that his credit, his name, could be used by somebody to vote or to open up credit card counts. And I, I don't know if you can, you know, get rid of that. I mean, how do you get, I no, mean, pretty, I was pretty told hard. that Equifax does Death records are, are, you know, disseminated very, very rapidly. And I'll tell you throughout mm-hmm. the credit bureau. So I don't think, okay. I think Good. getting somebody's uh, dead file is not going to be a useful thing for somebody trying to steal credit. But Jerry, I'll tell why, you, it, 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 it how, actually happens. It, it actually happened uh, three weeks ago, Jerry. Oh, really? Um, at the bank. Um, obviously, we didn't do the loan, but we found mm-hmm. out uh, later on when we did our, um, I guess, credit check that uh, the person was deceased. Um, so somebody tried, yeah. Somebody tried, and, and so it does happen. But, you know, again, just like what Jerry said, it's very uncommon. Um, but it does happen. It does happen. Uh, so. I heard that you couldn't even get the the unions, the credit unions, to put that in, the, you know, to stop your credit report. They charge for that. Is that true? If I wanted to tell them, like, this is, you make sure you don't open any credit for anybody under my husband's name, obviously. You just said it, they get reported all this, but it's, I just want to be sure that he, his name's not used. Um, you know what? 
and I, I could be wrong. I don't have any scientific data on this. Okay. My guess yeah, is... No, it's not even that. My guess is there's always somebody who gets away with something. And there's always someone who makes an error. Okay? And do I think there's millions of people using dead people's names? Probably not. But there are some that are going to get, you know, some might even get away with it. I mean... Because they probably work within the institutions that know about all this. And we're in a world where really to swipe your information and to get it is so... Easy. Prevalent we provide easy. it on Facebook. We give up so much information. We are probably exactly. vulnerable. Okay. Yeah, we back, are. Now let me go back to the question. I really, I think I sent it on the, on your, when you've been gone for the last two weeks, I put it in the, I asked the question in your page, on your Facebook page. Okay. But I don't think you got to it. So let me ask this question. Now you had a yes. guest about the 1031. Um, the other question that I heard that explanation, but there was another faction that I wanted to consider because my husband left me a beneficiary IRA and I can self-direct it into real estate. Now, I don't really understand that. I haven't really spoken to one of these companies yet. Does Jerry or anybody there know about how uh, what that entails versus the 1031? Because I have yeah. two ways of uh, making, once I sell my co-op, I'll, have, I'll be able to use the 1031, but the self directed is through is the IRA that's on the beneficiary I can't touch till I'm 59 or whatever without penalty so this is the question what's the difference between what I would be doing with the self-directed real estate do you do does anybody so, have an, uh, well, yeah. any familiarity so, well, with self-directed IRA the asset is within the IRA you have to move the assets to a custodian that will do a self-directed IRA not all of them will right in fact most of them won't uh, I would not do 100%, I would diversify. Yes, so that's what I was 20, 25% of your IRA. 1031 is generally for assets outside of the IRA because right. you're deferring gain. By definition, in an IRA, you're deferring gain also, right? Because it's, it's only right. subject to taxation when you start to withdraw it from the IRA. And, there are and I heard that requirements. it has to be investment. You can't be living in the home in the Absolutely. 1031. There, there are specific rules, and depending on which type of self-directed IRA you use, there there are two types. The most common one where you have a trustee is going to be vetting the property and making sure that the property that you're buying is being used for investment and not being used for personal use or family use. So land, so basically if, you buy the difference. Estate, if you buy just land with no living, then that would be an investment, no? Could be, could be. You know, the uh, it should really be more productive use, in my opinion, for an IRA. Okay, like farming. If you were going to farm on that land or something, like nonprofit no, uh, or something. N- no, no. No? Um, we're talking about renting property. We're talking about buying property. Oh, rent, to, to rent it. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what you want to do with it. All right. Good Thanks. luck, Pauline. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling. Have a good and Don't stay out of the cold. Uh, we're going to be right back at the 11 o'clock news, and uh, we have some big questions for Ace. Uh, what type of mortgage you should take now with rising interest rates? And do you really want to buy a home? And if you want to sell it, what you should do to prepare it to be sold? We'll be right back at 866-970-9622. And don't forget, my new Monopoly Cheaters game is out.
Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.